Good morning, church. How are you? Are you awake? If you're awake, clap five times. One, two, three, four, five. All right, it's sleepy morning. It's raining. It's a two-cup of coffee kind of day, right? I'm thankful for it, but I hope you're awake this morning. It's going to be a great day of worship. My name is Luke. My pastor's here at Holland Chapel, and we're so thankful that you're here. I'm still... Uh, overjoyed at what we experienced last week. It was a blessing. If you missed out, I, I really hate that for you. It was a great day. If you were here, uh, I know you were blessed at the church, just celebrating God's faithfulness. And I'm, again, so thankful to be here with you this morning. As Grant said, we're back in our sermon series called The Journey. And this morning, we are. We're going to talk about difficult people. And everybody chuckled a little bit. Right? Raise your hand, be very honest, if you have a difficult person in your life. It's universal. See? Some of them for you are in this room. It's okay, it's church. We'll, we'll hash it out later. Difficult people are very much a part of our journey. And church, listen to me. Learning how to navigate that difficult person... It's crucial for you following Jesus. We've all just recognized that we've got that difficult person, that person in our life that is difficult to love. And learning how to handle them is a really big deal. And I think God's word is full of examples for you and I to learn from on how to handle those difficult people. And that's what our, our point of this sermon series is, to, to point the people of God to the word of God as we pursue God. And difficult people are a part of our journey. And, and, and here's what we're going to do in just a second. There's going to be a list. And this is by no means an exhaustive list of what these difficult people are for you. But what we're going to do is we're going to put some things on the screen to hopefully get our minds thinking about what makes these people difficult. All right? So a difficult person in your life may include someone like this. Are you ready? The person that is hypocritical. The hypocritical person, they are difficult to be around, they're difficult to love. How about this, the person that always thinks they're right. Know anybody like that? Oh, we're, we're just getting rolling, okay? The person that is loud and obnoxious. And many of you are thinking about family gatherings, right? The loud and obnoxious person. How about this one? The person who votes differently than me. Let's all just sit there for a minute, can we? You mean to tell me you can vote that way? Yeah, I can. The person that votes differently. That's tough, ain't it? How about this one? The boss's pet. The, the person that is always trying to strategically place themselves to climb the ladder. That just grinds your gears, don't it? Oh, they're tough to be around, the boss's pet. Or how about this one? The person with the alternative lifestyle. What I mean by that's the homosexual, right? Man, I just, I struggle to be around that person. Their behavior just repels me. Man, that person is difficult. That person's difficult to love. How about this one? The family drama starter. The family drama starter. And you're thinking of the person right now. The family drama starter. Or how about this? The person you just don't like and you really don't know why. 
You see how we throw that blanket over all of this? Man, just the person I don't like, and I'm not really sure why, but I just, oh. You see, this is not an exhaustive list, but what this list serves is just to get you to think, man, why? Why is that person difficult? And here's something also that I want to say is I'm not necessarily this morning talking about the person that has sinned against you. I'm I'm talking about the person who who honestly has has really done nothing wrong. You just struggle to be around them. Now, also in that category is the sinner, the person that sinned against you, sure, but we're not limited to that. It's just the person that I struggle with. And, And we've all agreed this morning is there is at least one person in your life that's difficult to love. And learning how to navigate that person is a big part of our journey. And here's what I've learned about difficult people in my life. And you can choose to agree with me and and jump on board with this or just point fingers and say, Luke, you're terrible. But, But when somebody is difficult in my life, it starts with me just kind of avoiding them. And if I can't avoid them, then it, that, that difficult person turns to somebody that I have a little bit of dislike for. And if I still can't uh, get away from them, that, that dislike turns to disdain. And then that disdain turns to hate. You know where I'm at? Anybody? You're going to leave me up here by myself? You know what I'm talking about? That's a slippery slope. You, you see, having a difficult person in our life and not learning how to navigate it can cause us to sin. It can grow into hate. Let's look at what scripture says about that. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow Believers, And what John is talking about here is if you cannot love people within the family of God, surely you're not going to love those that aren't. He's saying hate in the life of a Christian, that there's no place for it. And we will all agree that that difficult person, we're flirting with hate if we're being real honest. It's a slippery slope. We've got to learn how to handle that difficult person this morning. So do you see how dangerous having somebody in the difficult category can be. You see how dangerous that is. Boy, we're, we're, we're flirting with some sin there, and we got to figure it out. You see, difficult people have always been around. You having a difficult person in your life is nothing new. Difficult people have always been in existence. Last week we talked about it real briefly. We talked about Moses dealing with the people of God there in the desert and they're just griping and complaining. And God's been good to them and Moses is like, what's going on here? I mean, I'm just trying to serve you the very best I can. And scripture literally says they were groaning and complaining. Those people were being difficult. Would you agree? They were being unreasonable. They were being very difficult to love. So difficult, this is what Moses says in Numbers 11, 13 through 15. He says, where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. That's what he says. Do you find the humor in that? 
Just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Do you feel it? Do you feel what Moses is feeling in this moment? He's over it. He is over the difficult people. Ever been there? You ever felt like Moses? God, if this is it, if this is my life, if these are the people you're going to put around me, just finish me, Lord. You ever felt that way? You see, I'm not saying that difficult people, it's, it's just, it's okay to have them. Like Moses had difficult people in his life. But what we see from Moses is that he learned how to handle it. He knew how to love them. He knew how to see them the way that God sees them. If you keep on reading in the story, it's pretty powerful. Go to Numbers 27. What I believe is that Moses loved them so much he never abandoned them. He saw them for who they were, and that's the people that God loves. And he loved them so much even though they were very difficult. This is what he says. Numbers 27, 16 and 17. Oh, Lord. You are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as a leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle so the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Do you see this? He's at the end of his life. And they have done nothing but cause him grief, and he still loves them. I think we can learn from somebody like that who never gives up on difficult people. Now, I'm not saying it didn't cause him some grief. He said, Lord, come on now. I can't deal with this. But he loved them. He loved them. He never gave up on them. So you and I this morning, how can we love those difficult people? How can we love them? How can we truly see them? Well, I want to go to the New Testament to get a story, a very powerful story. As you go there, Luke chapter 7, I want to give you some background before we read what we're going to read. Go to Luke chapter 7, and what's happening here in this particular story is that Simon the Pharisee, okay, Simon the Pharisee invites Jesus over to eat. And Jesus shows up on the scene, he shows up to the house, and he sits down for dinner. And what Scripture says, we're not going to read it, but what Scripture says, it says a woman of the city, who was a great sinner, followed him there. And what we see here in this picture, in this story, is that Jesus was sitting down at the table, and a woman of the city walks up behind Jesus, and she starts to weep. She starts to weep over her sin, over her life, over how difficult She's been. And she's standing behind Jesus and she starts to weep. She takes her tears and her hair and she starts to wipe the feet of Jesus. And then this religious elite, this Pharisee, somebody that was too good for heaven, you know somebody like that? Says, how dare you let this woman touch you? She's a sinner. How dare you? even entertain this difficult person. And what we're going to look at is Luke 7, the first part of 44. We're going to read from the English Standard Version. It says, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, what does he say, church? It's on the screen. Do you see this woman? Now, of course he saw the woman. He's sitting there complaining about her. What Jesus was doing in this moment 
was beckoning Simon to really see her. You see what Christ is doing here? Do you see this woman? Have you noticed her soul is what Jesus is saying. Have you seen her? Do you notice her the way that I notice her? Do you see her soul? Jesus is asking Simon to go a step further, to really see her. And so I think for us this morning, the place to start is for us to really start seeing people. Do you see people? Or you just see the difficulties? Jesus is saying, do you see this woman? In this moment, he is elevating the greatest commandment to love as you love yourself. Do you love her? Do you see her? Do you notice her? And here's what happens. You may be thinking, well, well, I'm pretty good at looking past people's faults and seeing them for who they are. I'm really good at ignoring the difficulties and and looking past this and looking past that to try to find what's good. And and that's how we trick ourselves to think. But what I want to challenge you this morning, church, is that's really not Christian love at all. Jesus loved first. If you remember what Scripture says, while we were still what, church? Sinners, he died for us. That's how Christ sees. He loves first. There's going to be an awesome quote on the screen. I want you to remember this. It says, we don't look past one's flaws in order to find what's good so we can love. We love first so we can see what's good. We love first. That's tough, ain't it? What Jesus was saying is don't look at her sin. Don't don't look at her difficulties. Don't look at what she's done or what she might do. Look at her. Do you see her? So my challenge is that person that we kind of (laughs) chuckled, they're difficult, do we see them? Do we see them the way that Jesus sees them? Do we love them the way that he loves us? False In all, love the person first. Aren't you glad that he loved you the way that he found you? That was weak. Aren't you glad that he loves you the way that he found you? He's good like that. All right, so Luke, I get it. Yeah, we got to love people. I need to love them. I totally get it. I do not want you to leave here today without some practical steps on how to love this person, how to really see this person in your life. So if you got your notepads, are you ready? We're going to leave with some practical advice on how to love that difficult person. There's going to be six things we're going to go over this morning on how to love them. The first thing is you need to start to pray for your own heart. Start to pray for your own heart. We're going to read Colossians 3, 12 through 14. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Boy, that's tough to do with a difficult person, ain't it? It's tough. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This next part's powerful. Above all, clothe yourselves with what, church? Love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Maybe this needs to be your prayer, and I am super guilty. I wonder if you are like this. I I don't pray enough that God would clothe me with love. Do y'all pray that? 
That's a, that's a unique prayer. God, help me to be a person that loves. I can't tell you the last time I prayed that. God, help me, right? God, help me to love that person. So, so maybe for you this morning, this is the very most practical one we get to. God, help me to love them. God, help me this morning when I wake up not to see the difficulties, but to love them. God, just help my heart to be full of compassion. Help my love to be full of tenderhearted mercy. God, help me to be a person that loves. Too many times we wake up, we put on a frown, and we go to work. Not loving anybody. You guilty? You're just waiting for 5 o'clock. So I go home and still not love. God said, clothe yourself with love. So maybe for you, you need to start praying for your own heart. God, help me to be a person that loves. The second one, pray for God to work in their heart. Pray for God to work in their heart. Philippians 1, 9 through 11, let's read this. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Sometimes we need that difficult person to grow in knowledge and understanding so they can see their error. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. The chances are, if that person in your life is being difficult, they are not allowing the Spirit to lead them. And here's where we're at. If they are a person that claims Jesus, you need to pray for them that the Spirit would be bold in their life. That the Spirit would show them their error. That the Spirit would show them how they're being difficult. God, help them. Help them to see their error. Help them to see what they are doing. Transform them. I know your word says that that it's going to move in their life. God, help them to see how difficult they're being. Pray that for them. And and here's another category. Some of that we talked about on the list. Those were not believers. Those were not people that placed their faith in Jesus. Perhaps this morning you need to be less concerned about their character and more concerned about their eternity. Be less concerned about the way they behave and say, God, save them. You know that we're saved by grace and the Spirit is the one that does the changing. So God, if their behavior is awful, if they are a difficult person, move in their life. Save them. You're the only one that can help them, Lord. God, be with that person. Whether they are saved, let the Spirit move. And if they're not, God, save them and reveal to them their error. And how they're being so difficult in my life. You see, that person very much, in fact, may need Jesus. The third thing, stop avoiding them. How many of you are like slumping under your seat right now? Did he say that? Stop avoiding the difficult person. How many in this room, let's get real, are guilty of avoiding the difficult person? Yep, you see them, now you don't, right? Like, that was easy enough. It was easy enough. Stop avoiding the difficult person. Running from the situation never solved a thing. Running from it will not fix it. Avoidance is just a Band-Aid. It's a temporary solution. It will not last. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Very famous passage. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Right? Famous passage. Blessed are the peacemakers. But here's where I think we get this verse wrong. So many times we read this verse, and instead of saying peacemakers, we read it, we think it says peacekeepers. So often we think that God just wants me to take this difficult situation and sweep it under the rug. Anybody been there? I'm just going to avoid it. I'm going to act like it doesn't exist because if I act like it doesn't exist, then it doesn't exist. But it's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. You've just tried to put some distance between you and that person, and that's not going to solve a thing. The key word here in this passage, it says those that work for peace. If you're going to have peace with this person, it's going to take some effort. You've got to move towards them. You've got to work to reconcile what it is that's in between you. You can't always run from it. It's not going to fix a thing. But still, so many of us are guilty of this very one. I'm going to run away from it and act like it doesn't exist. And all you're doing is further nurturing the issue in the relationship. You haven't fixed it. Stop avoiding that person. That means that you have to do something. Whether it's take them out to coffee, whether it's to call them, whether it's to uh, send them a text say, hey, we got to connect, you've got to go towards the person. You've got to be the one that works towards peace. And that's tough. You've got to put the effort in. The next one, the fourth thing, is you have to bless them, don't curse them. Bless them, don't curse them. I know our knee-jerk reaction is when we have that difficult person in our life, especially if they've sinned against you, is to curse them, isn't it? Can we just be real this morning? Aren't just like, it's rainy, I get it. Isn't your knee-jerk reaction to curse that person? Man, I don't want to be around them. I don't have nothing to do with them. They're, they're terrible, right? That's how our mind thinks. Well, Scripture tells us that we shouldn't listen to our mind. We've got to do the opposite oftentimes of what our brain tells us. We've got to bless them. Let's look at Scripture. Luke chapter 6. 27 and 28. It says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. For many in this room, myself included, that's tough to do. That is very tough to do. Keep on reading. Luke chapter 6, the first part of 35. It says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be, be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. That's what God says. If you want to be a child of God, Love your enemies. If you want to be a child of God, extend some blessings to those that curse you. Love those that might be difficult in your life. Really see them for who they are, a person that Jesus died for. So, you might need to send them an encouraging text. You might need to put a gift card in the mail. You might need to do something to extend a blessing to that person. Many of you in here are thinking, well, if I get that random text this week, then I know why. 
hey, you're really awesome. You're great. Why are you sending me this? Bless that person. Don't curse that person. This next one, number five, extend grace as grace was given to you. Moses' entire life was nothing but extending grace to God's people. Time after time after time, he extended grace. He was a person that understood that I need grace given to me, so I'm going to give it to others. Let's go back to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at that, that middle part, that verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Listen, church, I want you to remember this. When you withhold grace, when you withhold it, you have forgotten what the gospel did for you. When you harbor grace and you don't extend it, you have forgotten the gospel completely. You have forgotten that Jesus loved you and showed you grace. So maybe that person, maybe you need to lighten up on them a little bit and extend some grace their way. They need it just like you need it. Extend some grace to that person. The sixth thing, this is my favorite. It says, understand that you too could be that difficult person. Understand that you, yes, you could be that difficult person for someone else. Romans 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. I'm going I'm to reread that. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Don't think you're better than you really are. So maybe this morning, just as Romans 12, 3 says, you need to begin this honest evaluation of yourself. God, help me to see, am I the difficult person? Is this relationship, is this situation strained because of me? Have I done something? Have I been in error? Am I being the one that makes the list? Is that me, God? If you approach God with honesty like that, you will be surprised at what he reveals to you and about your heart. Maybe this morning you're the difficult person and you need to say, God, help me. God, forgive me for being difficult. And he will show you where you've been in error. I think it's so important for us this morning, church, to understand how to handle, how to navigate the difficult people in our life. They're going to show up. At every stage of your life, there will be a difficult person. And how you navigate that is very important. It represents Christ. So remember the story, Luke chapter 7. Do you see this woman? God, help me to see people the way that you see them. Help me to love them first. Help me to love them first. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much for being good. Thank you for your word. I know how powerful it is in our life, how it molds us, how it shapes us, how it can teach us 
where we've gone wrong, where we've messed up. And God, perhaps everyone in this room has struggled with a difficult person and maybe not handled it the way that we should. God, forgive us. But help us from this point forward as we are pursuing you in this journey, as these difficult people arise, we know that they will. Help us to navigate them in a way that brings you honor and glory. Help us to love them. Help us to see them. Help us to see their soul just as you do. And help us ultimately to live in a way that pleases you. Help us, God, in our actions. How we respond and how we love is a really big deal. Thank you for your son, Jesus. And we ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.